Hello and welcome back to our study of the book of 2 Corinthians. We are now into our second month of quarantine as we deal with the pandemic and just uh, want to continue to encourage you to stay the course in your care for one another as a church. Uh, the elders and myself have been very encouraged just to hear of how you are reaching out to and supporting to one another as a church and also the overwhelming generosity that we have seen uh, from you all. It is such an encouragement and a blessing to see the church being the church uh, during times like this. And I pray that the lessons that we learn and the growth that take place uh, takes place would uh, spill over into our lives and the ministries of New Hope uh, long after this pandemic has passed. Uh, again, just thank you, and, and I want to encourage you to not grow weary in doing good. God is honored in our efforts to love one another well and to uh, proclaim his gospel uh, clearly during these difficult times. Uh, today we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. Paul is wrapping up his section of 2 Corinthians where he is calling the church in Corinth to fulfill an obligation, a promise that they had made to take up a collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And uh, in these verses, we, we, we see his, uh, really his final plans and exhortation to the church to have that offering ready when he uh, got there, and also uh, when the three brothers who would be uh, c carrying that gift on to Jerusalem would be uh, were present with them, they had uh, they had brought Titus and the two other brothers that we learned about last week had brought the letter with them, the letter of Second Corinthians with them uh, when they came to Corinth. So Paul is instructing them uh, to to finish the task that uh, they had promised to begin uh, a year ago. Uh, this is uh, our, our third or fourth week where we have been uh, dealing with chapters 8 and 9, which focus on Paul's call to um, for the church to, to be faithful in fulfilling this act of generosity to help those in need. And uh, I know for me personally, it's been very encouraging uh, to see the many different ways that, that generosity is honoring to God and, and how it helps others. And, and I just want to encourage you that, that no matter where your finances may stand or, or whatever it is you may be going through at this time, there are, there are many, many ways that we can be generous as a church and generous as individuals in seeking to honor God with our lives. And so even if this is a time where you, you feel like things are very tight for you financially and you're actually in need of other people's generosity, just remember there are ways that you can show uh, generosity with what you have and, and with your time and, and with how you care for others. And, and I want to encourage you to be faithful in that because God is honored in all of our efforts at generosity. Uh, let's dive into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. 
saying that Achaiah has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for this second, uh, this section of 2 Corinthians. Uh, Lord, for the many vital truths that it, has, it contains uh, for us. Lord, I pray that you would help me today, Lord, to be clear of thought and mind and speech. Lord, that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight and that your church would be built up in your truth. Lord, we recognize this is your word and, and your call upon our lives to, to be generous because you are generous. So I pray, Lord, that you would build up your church. Lord, I, I pray that our testimony before you and before the world would, would be clear. Uh, Lord, that your grace is evident in our lives and that it is our desire to honor you in all that we do. Lord, I thank you for another day. Lord, I thank you that, that although we are unable to meet together as your church physically for worship, uh, Lord, that we can pray together uh, online and that we can uh, hear your word taught and we can worship as families as we await the end of this pandemic. And Lord, we pray that you would bring it about 
Uh, Lord, you are well aware of the sinfulness and the divisiveness that exists, uh, both politically and socially. And Lord, we confess that we do not know all the answers. Uh, we need your guidance. We, we pray, Lord, according to James chapter 1, for your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that uh, the people of New Hope would be uh, shining lights of graciousness and kindness uh, to, to people of, of, of all sorts of opinions concerning what we should be doing as a society. Uh, Lord, for those that are eager to meet, Lord, may we be uh, the, the voice of, uh, of gentleness and graciousness. And Lord, for those who are fearful, may we be uh, patient and uh, encouraging, Lord, that we would not get, get wrapped up in, in, in politics or, or uh, divisiveness, Lord, but we would seek to honor you in all that we do. May that truly be the measure of our motives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, this has been a, a very encouraging section of 2 Corinthians for me personally, uh, even though it may uh, at first seemed a bit weird to be uh, teaching on generosity and giving at a time when so many are struggling. But I trust uh, that you, like I, have just been so encouraged by the Apostle Paul's words, especially as he directs us to the gospel as uh, one of the guiding motivations for our being generous in this life. Uh, now I'm going to dive right into the text today. I'm going to cover this passage under three headings. Uh, the first being uh, Paul's final preparations for the gift. Secondly, we'll consider principles for Christian generosity. And then finally, I'll close with benefits of generosity in the church. And again, as Paul wraps this up, I hope you will uh, hear these words with everything that we've seen in chapters 8 and 9 so far, because Paul really ties everything together nicely for us here in uh, these verses in chapter 9. Let's look at final preparations for the gift in verses 1 through 4. Let me read those to you again. Paul writes, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal have stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. Now, just a note here, when Paul writes in verse 2 about Achaia, uh, it's important that we understand that he is referencing the Corinthians. Uh, Corinth was the capital city of Achaia. So as Paul makes this statement about Achaia, he's not talking about a, another group of people that we, we have yet to hear about in our study of 2 Corinthians. Uh, he is just quoting how he spoke to the Macedonians about the Corinthians while he was there. And, and as we consider uh, Paul's final preparations for the gift, 
Paul uh, approaches this, uh, first of all, by reminding them of their former desire to, to care for the poor in Jerusalem. Uh, and then he points out the purpose in sending the three brothers what he expected of the people of Corinth while the brothers were there with them. And then also he gives a warning against uh, failing to, to, to keep their promise that they had made. And so I'm going to tackle this first point under those three headings. Uh, so let's, uh, as we consider Paul's final preparations for the gift, let's look first at his reminder uh, of the Corinthians' former desire to care for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. Paul writes specifically in verse 2 that he says, For I know of your readiness, which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. Now, two weeks ago in our study of chapter 8, verses uh, 9 through 15, uh, we learned that the Corinthians had been zealous initially in their desire to care for the poor in Jerusalem. Remember, we looked back at, um, at 1 Corinthians where, where Paul had first addressed that, that opportunity for them to, to meet the needs of the poor saints in Jerusalem. And in verse 2, we, we see that the people were indeed eager to give. They were so eager to give, the Corinthians were, that when Paul left for Corinth, uh, when he left Corinth to travel to Macedonia, he could not help but brag on them. They were so excited to give. They were so pumped up. They, they wanted to get this offering ready so that when Paul returned, he would be able to, to take it on to help these saints whom they had never met. But, but who were in their time of need. And Paul points out that, that their zeal to, to give was so strong that as he boasted about them to the Macedonians, that the Macedonians were stirred up to want to be generous as well. The Corinthians had started well. They, they learned of the need of the poor saints in Jerusalem. They desired to meet that need, and they began making preparations to meet that need. But in the year that followed, their desire and their efforts had fallen by the wayside. And so Paul writes here, reminding them of their former desire to, to not just rekindle that desire, but also to, to stir them up to act on those good desires and finish what they had started. That happens to us at times, does it not, brothers and sisters? There, there are times where we recognize that, that there is a, a task or, or a need that we can meet, and, and so we are stirred up to, to take part in it. But it, if, it, if it is something that is a, a long-term endeavor, it, it is often easy for us to allow uh, that ex early excitement to begin to die down. And then we find ourselves compromising and not following through on promises made. The example of the Corinthians serves as a clear reminder of the importance for Christians to follow through on the things that we say we are going to do. Our yes truly should be yes and our no should truly be no. And so Paul begins in verses 1 and 2 by but by reminding them of how excited they were for this opportunity to meet a need. 
And then in verse 3, Paul transitions to, to, to what was going on presently with them, the, the fact that the three brothers that we learned about last week, that, that, that who were with them, Paul gives his purpose for sending them along in verse 3. He writes, But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said, you would be. So Paul didn't want his boasting to, to be shown to be untrue. Paul wanted to be trustworthy. And so the purpose of Paul sending the three brothers that we learned about last week at the end of chapter 8 well, was to help with the collection. He expected the collection to already be going. These brothers were not there to convince them to start the collection, but to help them finish what they should have already started. In Paul's mind, they didn't need to be persuaded. They should already be persuaded to do what is right. Now, remember, we learned way back early in chapter 8 that it's not simply enough to, 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 to have a desire to do something. We must follow through. And the, the presence of these three brothers, Titus, the, the brother who was famous for preaching the gospel, and the brother whom we referred to as the tested eager brother, these three brothers were, were sent there by Paul and by the Macedonian churches to, to, to finish the job, if you will. will. So in verse 4, Paul gives a warning against failure concerning their responsibility to follow through on what they had promised to do. Verse 4, Paul writes, Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. The word humiliation, it means disgrace. That, that's, a, that's a strong word. It would have been a humiliation to Paul and a humiliation to the Corinthians for a poor Macedonian believer to, to show up and find these materially rich Corinthians unprepared, especially since they themselves had been motivated by Paul's boasting about the Corinthians to them. This was a, a big deal. Paul wanted there to, 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 to be no... No question. In the eyes of the Macedonians, in the eyes of the three brothers, that the Corinthians were sincere. And we see in Paul's warnings that our testimonies matter both inside and outside the church. God is the God of truth, and his people must be known for their trustworthiness. Paul doesn't want himself or, or the Corinthians to be needlessly disgraced over something they had vowed to do. So he gives them this warning. Brothers, sisters, follow through. So those are Paul's initial our final preparations uh, for the gift that the Corinthians were to give. He, 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 he reminded them of, of their former promise. He 
told them of the purpose of the, of the brothers among them. It was to help them complete this act of generosity. And then Paul closes by warning them of the importance of following through. Next, in verses 5 through 11, we see important principles for Christian generosity. Let me read those verses to you. Paul continues, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. These are important, in these verses, we find important principles that should shape our generosity as well. The first principle is seen in, in verses 5 through 7, and that is that generosity must be exercised willingly. Verse 5, Paul writes, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Okay. So, so the Corinthians ha had chosen to take part in the collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem. We, we, we established that back in, in, in chapter 8. This was their decision. They voluntarily and gladly promised to, to be a part of this uh, gift. And Paul wanted them to experience the blessedness of giving while also insisting that they be true to their word. That, that word exaction in verse 5 is directly in contrast to the phrase willing gift that comes before it in verse 5. In fact, the Greek word that, that is translated gift throughout chapter 9 literally means blessing. It's the Greek word from which we get the word eulogy. Paul wants them to give a blessing to the poor saints willingly rather than begrudgingly, which would have reflected greedy hearts, which is what Paul means by exaction. He says, I want you to, to, to give in a way that, that is a blessing to those that you are, are serving, but also it is a blessing to yourself before God rather than giving under compulsion as with, with, with a begrudging heart that, that would reflect sinful greed. He, he wants them to have the, the right perspective about this gift that they've been called to give. Paul fleshes this out further in verses 6 and 7. He writes, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In verse 6, Paul uses uh, the, 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 the picture or, or the principle of, of sowing and reaping. That's a great uh, illustration for this time of year. Uh, this, many of you are out planting gardens even now. Um, and what do you do? You, you, you plant seed with the hopes that that seed will, will sprout up into plants which bear fruit so, so that you will have food. And so Paul in these verses uses a, a call or describes a cause and effect relationship that, that illustrates giving. And it's a principle uh, that we refer to as, as sowing as uh, sowing and reaping. Um, what you plant, you harvest. In other words, it's the principle of, of willingness fleshed out. Paul begins with the negative. Those who sow little, reap little. But then he says, those who are whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And, and that's a little bit misleading. Uh, certainly bountifully is the intent behind it. But the Greek word that's translated bountifully is actually, uh, it's the same, it's from the same word that, that we get the word blessing in this passage as well. So certainly he's talking bountifully as in giving generously. But, but literally what he's saying, those who sow blessings, euologias, reap blessings. That's pretty powerful, right? It's not just, okay, I'm going to give generously and, and reap generously, but I want to, I want to give blessings so, so that are, are so blessings, so that blessings are what spring forth. God blesses those who bless others. This isn't simply a financial principle, where it, which many people have, have taken this and, and perverted it, but this is a life lesson. We should seek to be a blessing to, to all that we come in contact with, whether it's financially in our generosity, whether it be with our words or our acts of kindness or our sharing what we have. But we should seek to sow blessings in every aspect of our lives. Brothers and sisters, let, let, let's be a people who are known for the fact that we sow blessings. And in verse 7, we see that this principle hinges on willingness. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's a choice, and it's a choice that must be made with joy and in faith. Well, what do I mean by in faith? Well, we see in, in verse 8 and, and verses 10 and 11 that, that generosity also reflects our faith in God's provision. We, we simply aren't giving from our abundance. We, we are, are, are giving in dependence on God's provision in our lives. Let's look at those verses. Verse 8, first of all, Paul writes, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now down to verse 10. 
It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul is, is pointing out that, that God has all sufficiency in all things and at all times. That word all-sufficiency means the ability to fulfill or satisfy. God supplies all that we need each day in His grace, His kindness, and His favor towards us. And this enables us to be rich towards others in our generosity, even when our bank account is low. You can bank on this, pardon the pun, in everything that God calls us to do, he provides both the grace and the means to do it. If that means financial sacrifice in order to be generous towards others, God's grace is sufficient. If it means sharing the gospel with someone who is resistant, God's grace is sufficient. If it means that we need to have a difficult conversation with another brother or sister, God's grace is sufficient. If we need to be generous with our time to help others, God's grace is sufficient. You fill in the blank, but Paul's point is clear. God will give us all that we need in order to be rich towards others with what we have, whether that is materially or, or with our time and everything else. And we need to embrace that reality because when we are generous or rich towards others in all that we have, that results in our righteousness being revealed. It shows the evidence of God's grace at work in our lives. Verse 11 makes it clear that we will always have enough to be generous to others. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? In verse 9, another principle we see is that generosity reflects the character of God. In verse 9, Paul quotes Psalm 112, verse 9. It says, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And Paul is, is pointing out that we should be generous because our God is generous. We, we were reminded in point one that our testimonies matter. And a key aspect of our testimonies is that the way we live reflect the glory and the character of the God who saves us. I cannot stress that enough. Paul will direct us here again in verse 13. Uh, but before we move on, I want to point out that generosity reflects God's work in our hearts through the gospel. God gave generously in the gospel to save us, he gave his only son. So how can we not be generous in every way in our efforts to honor him? Let's move quickly to point three and consider the benefits of generosity in the church, verses 12 through 15. 
Paul continues, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul concludes his appeal to the Corinthians to fulfill their promise by highlighting several benefits of generosity in the body of Christ. In verse 12, we see that generosity meets the temporary needs of those who are blessed by the gift. Paul writes, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is supplying the needs, but so much more. This is the obvious benefit, the benefit to those who are recipients of the generosity. For the poor, in, the poor saints in Jerusalem, they, they had real needs that, that required material generosity in order to, to, to meet those needs. And the churches in Macedonia and Corinth, through their generosity, met some of those needs. But, but for Christians, the, the practical benefit should always launch us into gratitude to God. And that's Paul's point here as he continues in verse 12. He says it's not only supplying their needs, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So, so the second thing that we are the second benefit that we see is that generosity leads to thankfulness to God. The, the blessing of the gift gift leads to the blessing of gratitude before God. It is God who puts it in the hearts of his people to give, and it is God who is glorified in the gift. Now certainly we are thankful for the people who give. But how much more so should we be thankful to God, who is the one who ultimately provides? And that's Paul's point there, that, that it's overflowing, it's spilling over. This, this gratitude for having their needs met is causing these poor saints in Jerusalem who, who are lacking in, in the basic necessities of life to praise God because of the generosity of the churches in Macedonia and the church in Corinth. In verse 13, we see that generosity leads us to delight in what pleases God. Paul writes, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Now, an overlooked reality is the dynamic between the, the Jewish Christians and, and Gentile Christians. Uh, Jewish Christians, just because of, 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 of their understanding of Judaism, had, had really been raised to think that only Jews would be recipients of the, the, the salvation that the Messiah would provide. So an overlooked reality is that many Jewish believers question the validity of the conversion of the Gentiles. And, and Paul's point is simple. He says, in receiving this gift, these Jewish Christians would also acknowledge the genuineness of the churches who supported them. 
their actions revealed their faith, the sincerity of their faith. And Paul goes on to say that this will lead to their glorifying God more fully as their understanding of the scope of salvation grew. Not only would they be thankful for God's provision materially, but even more, they would glorify God and delight themselves in the work that God had done among the Gentiles. They would glorify him in their delight in his saving work among the Gentiles. And that truly is what happens as as we grow in this way, as we learn to delight more in what God is doing and what pleases God, it causes us to take more delight in what God is doing around the world. Verse 14, we, we, we see that generosity leads to a greater affection among Christians. Paul continues, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now, Paul is still talking about how they will see the sincerity of the Gentiles' faith, the Macedonians and Corinthians, as he writes about this growing love that the Jewish believers would have for them as well. They long for you and pray for you. To to long for in the Greek means to have a great affection for. And really, how could they not grow in their love for these churches that gave so generously and sacrificially in support of people that they had never even met. Brothers and sisters, God's grace unites all believers. We must come to understand that we are truly family. We need one another. We share that common grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And and we see in verse 15 that that indeed is the greatest gift. Paul concludes by saying, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, that gift of grace through Christ for all who believe. Now, I don't know about you, but this section of, of, of 2 Corinthians has been amazing. The, the call to generosity has been clear in our study of chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians over the past few weeks. And let's continue, even as we move on to, to other sections of 2 Corinthians, let us as a church continue to answer that call, that call to generosity as we materially and spiritually care for one another as the body of Christ. Now, I want to read a quote to you and close with this quote to you from uh, a pastor who lived many years ago by the name of Charles Hodge in, in his summation of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. He writes, What Paul had at heart was not so much that the temporal sufferings of the poor should be relieved as that God might be glorified by the gratitude and mutual love of believers and by the exhibition of their Christian graces. Oh, dear one, may we be known 
for God's grace and its evidence in our lives as well. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for the many acts of generosity that have been on display in your church uh, through this trial that we are walking through together. And yet, Lord, it is also our desire as we are able to excel even more in this act of grace in caring for and supporting one another well. Lord, help us to be mindful that this is not just a passage for people who are wealthy, but it is a word to all your people to be generous in all that we have, to, to use the resources that you have blessed us with, uh, money, possessions, time, our, our knowledge, uh, Lord, all that we have generously for the good of your people and the glory of your name. So would you help us to be generous people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and God bless you.